morning, everybody. Welcome to Riverside. A couple of quick announcements to hit while the kids are on their way out to class. Women of Riverside Community, our ladies group meets tomorrow night, 6 p.m. It does not meet here at the building. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, you need to, there's a phone number in the bulletin that you can reach out to and they will text you the location, the secret location of this week's uh, meeting. They move it around to different ladies' houses. Um, Bible study Wednesday at 6.30. Potluck next Sunday at 1, and uh, we all the new flower barrels are out there and ready for people to adopt them and fill them with color. I saw a few of them are already filled, and I thought, boy, that's mighty brave. Uh, that's a brave Alaskan right there. But uh, they say probably we're going to be fine, so anytime, if you want to adopt one or two or three barrels, whatever, just fill them up with colorful flowers. And then BBS is coming in June. There's a sign-up sheet in the back there uh, to, to sign up your kids, but also to sign up for uh, helping with that. We need lots of help for uh, VBS to be a success. So, uh, Happy Mother's Day. If uh, you sent me pictures for the slideshow and they did not appear in the slideshow that, we sh that you saw after the second or third song, whenever it was, um, it's not because I looked at it and was like, eh, nope, I'm not going to put that. It's... There, they might be, your picture may be in another services slideshow, or I may just not have gotten them. And so uh, let me know. I will put them in there before I upload them to YouTube. And uh, uh, also, we are going to show the slideshow again after we're all done. Instead of the closing song, the slideshow will play. So if you got here a little bit late and didn't see the slideshow, it will play again, and so you can prove that you did send your pictures and that uh, they are in there. Um, but uh, this is one of those days that we know is filled with a lot of mixed emotions, that it's not a happy day for everybody. And so what we decided a long time ago is that on Mother's Day, we would honor all of the ladies of Riverside, and what we would do with the lesson is we would talk about how to honor the people in our lives, you know, what that looks like, what that means. Uh, and uh, if you choose to do that for your mom, we think that's a great idea. Moms, we think that's a great way for you to choose to live your life towards your children and towards your husbands. It's just, it, no matter who you are, this works. This is how God intends for our relationships to be lived out. But before we get into what does honor really look like, because it is important to God, honoring each other is something that he says we need to do. In Proverbs 31, verse 30, he says, or the Bible says, a woman who respects the Lord should be praised. Give her the reward she earned. She should be praised in public for what she has done. And so, like I said, that's what this weekend is about. But before we get into what does honor look like, I, I want to show you a video. It's my favorite Mother's Day video. If you've been coming here for a few years, not only have you heard this lesson, which I think we need to be reminded of every year, but you've seen this video. And what this mom did is she took what a typical mom might say in a typical 24-hour period of time, and she condensed it to three minutes. Let's watch it. And no matter who you are, you heard some of those phrases growing up, right? You heard some of them. And some of you, I saw you going, Look, because you swore you would never say those phrases yourself, and now you find that you are saying them yourself to your own kids. And, you know, that's a form of honor in and of itself. But what does honor look like? And it turns out honor and love are just two sides of the same coin. 
now there's a kind of love that the Bible talks about that's unconditional love that's a, not a, well, it's a choice and not an emotion or a feeling. But all of us want the feeling, right? We want to feel love for other people. We want to feel loved by other people. Where does that come from? And it turns out it's all tangled up with honor. So we're going to look at four different ways that we can show honor to the people in our lives so that they can feel loved by us. And if they're doing the same thing back, that's what poems end up being written about. That's what stories are written about. Movies are made. Songs are sung. That's what all of us want. So what does that look like? Well, the first way that we show honor as human beings is with our thoughts. That's where it has to start. It has to start with my thoughts. Because nothing is expressed into the physical world that doesn't begin right here between your ears. Now, you may, I, you may have said many times in your life, like I have, I'm sorry I wasn't thinking, right? But, but that's not really true. What's really true is I should have said I wasn't thinking about what I thought before I did what I thought, right? Human beings are, they come pre-installed with a pause button. We don't all use it, but we do have one. We do not possess a rewind button, and that's what we really would love to have, and that's why you need to think about what you think about before you express it into the regular world. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. And it turns out that your thoughts run your relationships too. I remember the first time that I read that, and I, I asked myself, do I really think that's true, that my thoughts run my life? And I wasn't sure, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, it really is true. I mean, I was sitting at a conference once and the guy that was leading the conference, he said, he didn't do this to us, but he said, I, I could have you close your eyes and I could walk you through the most amazing day of your life. And I could get you to think about what happened and what you were going through and what it meant. And you would start to experience the physical sensations that you experienced when you went through that just, just from what you're thinking. Now, human beings can do the same thing with negative experiences. I don't want any of you to start going through that right now, okay, because that would change the whole tenor of this lesson. But you could ruin your physical sensation. You could just ruin your day by thinking about and going over again and rehearsing things that have happened to you in your past just from what you think. And the same thing is true with our relationships. How we think about the other people in our lives has a huge impact on how that relationship ends up being played out in the physical world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, we capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. I remember I read that once and I thought, what does that even mean? And what Paul is suggesting is that we set up a guard shack at the entrance to our brains. I remember... I used to beat myself up a lot and feel horribly guilty about just the thoughts that I had. Thought I was responsible for those. And I was reading in Max Lucado's book uh, once, Just Like Jesus. Th that book, other than the Bible, that one book changed, has changed my life more than any other book that I've ever read. Uh, it's just uh, so much brilliance in that one book. And I remember I was reading through it, and he says, 
you're not responsible for the thoughts you have. And it struck me. I was like, I'm not? You know, suddenly hope, right? I was like, maybe, maybe there's hope for me yet. He said, no, you're not responsible for the thoughts you have. You're just responsible for what you do with the thoughts that you have. Martin Luther, the 15th century reformationist, uh, he, he was trying to explain this scripture once, and he wrote this. He said, it's like saying, you can't stop the birds from flying around your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And that's what he's getting at. You can't, thoughts are going to come at you from every direction. You can't control the thoughts that come at you. You can just stop them from building a home in your brain. And so Max Lucado was saying, this means that you set up a guard shack at the entrance to your mind, and whenever a thought comes, you say, halt, who goes there? You know, and you, and you examine that thought. Is this a thought I want to entertain? And if it is, then you let it in. And you, you, you make it at home. You, you start thinking more about those thoughts. If it's not a thought you should be entertaining, well, I used to think that that meant that I meant, I, okay, then I have to stop thinking about that. <laughs> you ever tried that? I'm just going to stop thinking about that. It's like saying, okay, picture in your mind a pink polka-dotted hippopotamus wearing a tutu dancing around on the stage, right? Your brain immediately pictures that. No, yeah, I, I could say, no, don't picture that. It's like, well, the only way you could not picture that is by filling your mind with something else. And that's something that the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians 4. Whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, whatever is awesome. I'm paraphrasing him a little bit. But he says, think about those things. Because you can't just not think about a negative thing. You've got to fill your mind with something positive. What goes on up here is going to impact your relationships in ways you never would have dreamed was possible. And so Paul gives us some relationship advice in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Now, he's talking here specifically to husbands about how to treat their wives. But this is great relationship advice for Wives towards husbands, for parents towards children, for children towards their parents, family members, friends, all the way out. So obviously, some relationships loom larger than others in our lives, and it's supposed to be that way. But if this is the way that you engage all of your relationships, it's going to make for pretty good relationships in your life. He goes on. Do live your life, your relationship, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. That's where healthy, beautiful, vibrant relationships begin when we look at somebody and say, I want this relationship to be defined by me giving more than I get. In the book of Acts, Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Doesn't mean that it's not good to receive. It just means that there's more blessing associated with giving. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Now, what can happen is when one person does this, says, I, wanted to, I want my relationship with you to be marked by giving and not getting. And the other person says, great, give me everything and I'm not going to give you anything else. That doesn't create a beautiful relationship. It takes two people doing this. But when two people are doing this, have, have this on their minds when they're thinking about each other, it creates something miraculous, absolutely beautiful. So it starts with our thoughts. It starts in our brain. But it can't stop there, right? If somebody's going to feel honored, it has to the honor has to enter into the physical world. One way that that happens, and this leads us to our second point, is with my words, right? Um, 
Paul started, we looked at his relationship advice in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, you know, make sure that you think about your relationship in terms of giving and not getting. He goes on immediately and says, because Christ's love makes the church whole, right? A love that is marked by giving instead of getting, it makes things whole. He goes on, he says, his words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Now think about your relationships. Does that pretty much describe the way that your words are used in your relationship? Now all of us would have to say, no, not all the time, right? And this is not a lesson for me to say, see how bad you are? That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do is say, here's what God wants us to be aiming for. He knows none of us are going to be perfect at it. Some of us are going to be much less perfect at it than others. But this is what we're aiming for. Using the words that we, that we say to bring out the best in the person that we are speaking them to. To use honor when we are speaking to each other. To use our words to, to, to describe the beauty of the other person. No matter what that relationship is. And again, that's going to, it's going to look different depending on the different relationships. But this is the goal that you honor with your thoughts and with your words. Because see, as it turns out, human beings, they don't know how you feel about them until, until you tell them how you feel about them. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Enchanted, but it was a Disney movie, and the, the premise was, what if you took a Disney fairy tale storybook princess out of her cartoon storybook fairy tale world where whenever she started cleaning up, Woodland animals came and helped her clean. And whenever she started singing a song, everybody around her knew the words to the song and the choreography that would go together to make her words just absolutely perfect. And what if you took her and pulled her out of that storybook world and placed her in modern day New York City? And one of the ways it would look is like this. What you're supposed to do for another person, sort of, right? And I love that at the end. He broke out the jazz hands and the spirit fingers, you know. But he's starting to kind of get it, right? And that's what God is trying. I mean, he's continually telling us, be careful what you say to each other. Use your words in a way that will build people up instead of tearing them down. You know, when the Bible says things like, don't let any foul language come out of your mouths. We've seized on that and said that means certain words that we would consider bad words, right? And I'm not here to get into what all of that, but, but what the Bible was more, in, more concerned about is not what word are you using, but what is the words that you're using doing to the people that you are using them on? And make sure that the words that you're using are bringing out are, are, are just filled with honor. And so that's the first or the second thing. It's like, uh, well, it's the first way that our honor is expressed into the real world is through our words. But we've all known people that could talk a good game, right? That when they were standing in front of you, they could make you believe whatever they were saying, even all evidence to the contrary. You just believed them when they were saying it. And then later on, you realized again, no, that just wasn't true at all. All they were doing was talking. And so talking is important, but if that's all you do, then it's worse than not saying anything at all. And that's why it leads to the third point. The, fourth, or the third way to show honor is with my actions, right? In James chapter 2, verse 14, 
James says, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words, but you never do anything? And the answer is no. Well, actually, you'll move backwards in your relationship if that's what you do. These, the words and the actions have to go together hand in hand in order to make somebody feel truly honored. I've been doing this now for about 18 years. And over those 18 years, I have a lot of times stood up here on this stage with two human beings and all of their friends and family in the room and God looking down and, and performing a, a marriage ceremony, right? And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. It's one of my favorite things about doing a wedding. Nobody ever looks at each other again the way that they look at each other when they are standing up getting married. It's like it's the only time that it is socially acceptable to do so. Any other time, you know, you go out there and have two people looking at each other with those googly eyes, and people will be like, get a room, you two, eh, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, here in church, on their wedding day, they just gaze into each other's eyes with such obvious feelings of love, right? They're, they're making their promises that even when those feelings go away, that they will continue to honor each other. But those feelings are right there on the surface at that moment. And I can remember thinking, what is it that brings people to that moment, to that kind of, of love? And what is it that if we're not careful, before not too much time has elapsed, those same two people will end up in my office with me saying, what happened? Those feelings are completely gone. As a matter of fact, new feelings have entered in. And we don't know what happened and we don't know how to fix it. And like I said, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I think it all comes down to the concept of honor. Dr. Willard Harley uh, wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs. And it's, the, it's the, the book, it's the system, it's the thought process that Judy and I base the, the marriage seminar that we do here at Riverside every couple of years. We base it on his needs, her needs. And Dr. Harley, uh, he, he explains this phenomenon of how people feel about one another, how love makes them feel by using the, the concept of what he calls the love bank. Now, different psychologists have different wording and, and phrasing for this, but his thought is that everybody that you meet in a given day opens up an account in your heart that he calls, you know, your heart is your love bank. And he says, everybody opens up an account. Now, some people have a lot more activity in that account than others, right? Some people, it's like you only meet them once. It's like you don't even remember that account's there. But for people that you interact with all the time, he says, when those people do something nice for you, it's like they put a deposit in your love bank. And when they do something negative to you, it's like a debit, right? It, something comes out. And he says, over a period of time with certain people, there's so much activity that when you have two people that are trying to honor one another and are doing positive things for each other, the balance in each other's love banks get to such a point that they just, they look at each other and they have this feeling like, how could I live the rest of my life without you in it? And it's really fascinating. Before they come and stand before their family and friends in a church and say their I do's, they become detectives of what honor means to the other person. What, what, what does... What makes this other person feel honored? And what makes this other pe person feel dishonored? 
and I will do as little of the dishonor as I possibly can and as much of the honor as I possibly can. And when two people are doing that for each other, it, is, it goes through the roof and they just they get to that point. I, I can't live without this other person. But what can happen if we're not careful is we get to a point where we stop doing the honoring things and we start letting more and more of the dishonoring things creep in and it is almost mathematical in nature just like a bank account. That account drains and our feelings drain with it. And if it drops below into overdrawn status, people get to where they just can't stand to be around each other. But you know what happens when people come, when two people come and say, I, I, we want it back, we just don't know how to get it. And you walk them through the process of discovering what honor really means to each other again and starting to do those things that are honoring and cut out the things that are dishonoring it is mathematical and we don't like to think of it that way but it's I've watched it it's almost like like clinical in nature people start doing the things that mean honor for each other and they start to get those feelings back and nobody ever said it would be easy James in James chapter 3 verse 18 says do the hard work of getting along with each other treating each other with dignity and honor. There's that word again. And that leads us to the fourth and final way that we can honor each other. And that is with my honor. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say. And really this isn't a new way to honor the people in your life, but it's the atmosphere that has to be surrounding your thoughts, your words, and your actions. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says, love one another with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. It's the only time I know of that the Bible suggests we turn our relationships into a competition. It's the only time that if you turn your relationship into a competition, that it becomes healthier and healthier rather than more and more dysfunctional and toxic. It's like that, that scripture that we read earlier, a love marked by giving, not getting. Outdo the other person at showing honor. Now, if you've ever wondered what honor looks like, I'm going to show you one more clip and then we are almost going to be done. As a matter of fact, if you've ever seen that movie, it is a textbook case study of what happens when two people are in a relationship and one person is like, I'm going to live out a relationship marked by giving and not getting. And the other person says, great, I'm going to live out this relationship marked by getting and not giving. And how toxic and destructive that becomes so rapidly. And everybody can see it except the person that is trying to give, 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 give. And then what happens when two people are in a relationship where they're both trying to live it out by outdoing each other at showing honor. By, by ha having a relationship marked by giving and not getting. And uh, what a beautiful, miraculous thing that becomes incredibly rapidly. And so that's your homework for this week outdo one another at showing honor. There's a place on your lesson sheet that says, uh, uh, well, who, who do I need to outdo at showing honor this week? Has a place where you can put the name of the people that you want to outdo and some places where it says, here's what I will do to show them honor. Now, here's a pro tip, all right? If you don't know what honor means to somebody that you are wanting to honor, ask that person. Right? That's what the whole his needs, her needs thing is based off of, is going to that person and saying, what is it that when I do it for you, it makes you feel honored? And then write that down and do that as often as you possibly can. And here's another great idea. Ask them, what does, what does dishonor look like to you? 
and then write that down and do as little of that as you possibly can. And when two people do that in relationship with one another, that's what poems are written about and stories and songs and movies are made about. It's what all of us want. It's hard work, but it is so worth it. So outdo one another at showing honor. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that basically your entire interaction with us is about you outdoing us at showing honor. And so, Lord, teach us what that look, would look like in our relationships, our relationship with you and our relationship with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. So now instead of the typical closing song, we're going to show the Mother's Day slideshow again.